Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Mannequin 2 on the move. Mannequin 2 on the move, Jessie, played by Christy Swanson, is a peasant girl who is forbidden to marry the prince that loves her. A wizard puts a spell on her that turns her into wood for a thousand years. Now in present-day Philadelphia, Jason, played by William Ragsdale, happens upon her mannequin in his new job and discovers that she is a real girl after all. Screenplay by Edward Rugoff, David Isaacs, Ken Levine, and Betsy Israel. Directed by Stuart Raffville and released on May 17th, 1991. Have you seen Mannequin 2 before? Yes, I have. I don't remember. I know I've seen bits and pieces of at least one of the Mannequin movies. I don't know if I saw the whole thing of either of them until recently, because it was so long ago and I just pushed everything out of my head, aside from the idea that the mannequin is visible to one person and not to the other, so I'm assuming I saw the first one. Or parts of it. Okay. Because <laughs> this <laughs> isn't really to... that way. No, yeah, she's she turns to life even when there's other people around. Yeah. But, I mean, that mannequin won that, I don't know, lore is different. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a different lore, it's a different circumstance to get them into the present day. In one, it's like a Egyptian girl who's to be married off, and she wishes for something to happen to her, which causes her to basically like travel through time and meet a bunch of different people. And... Yeah, she wants her one true love. Yeah, and so yeah, Kim Cattrall is playing like the the Egyptian person <laughs> going through time. <laughs> okay. And here you have uh, Christy Sonson playing like a German person with an American accent. Um, yeah, no one was really Germanic. No, not in the opening scenes at least. Even though it was supposed to take place in Germany? I think so. Or, or like I mean, with the names and stuff. Around, uh, around those parts. Um, yeah, so different lore, same basic thing. Uh for the most part, all new writers. So you have four different writers. I probably mispronounced a couple. Four all brand new writers, except for one. And uh, Edward Rugoff, who did the first one. So it's tough to make a second one of these and have it be unique good. enough <laughs> yeah. and good. Yeah, um, you can't. I don't know how you can extend stories like this. I think they did it about as well as they could in that it's almost like a reboot type of a sequel. Yeah, because... The only thing that's really consistent is you have two characters returning and from the And one of the them is one. like, you didn't... was in the very last two minutes of the first movie. Yeah. Like the... He was just a janitor at the very end who was seeing things happen. 
and now he's here as a security, security guy. I don't know if it's even the same character name, to be honest, because I don't know if he even had a name in the first one. But now he's Andy. Just the same guy, yeah. The same and then actor, Misha for Taylor. sure. And it's supposed to be two years later, because Meshach says at some point, like, I've seen this before a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. So they at least recognize that he was there, which is kind of weird because it took him a bit to to say that. You like wouldn't he be like, "Oh, I've seen it." Like the second that um Yeah, the William, second that yeah, that Jason Jason William said, Prince William. Yeah, Prince Prince William <laughs> in the in the past, in the past. same actor. Jason Williamson yeah. in the future, played by William Ragsdale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jason says, you know, like the, the mannequin disappears and Jason mentions how then, he yeah. spent this night with her. And Hollywood just like, looks unfazed, he but he also like, doesn't uh, he make been a comment like, on it. Yeah, oh, okay, I know what's going on. He doesn't yeah. say it until almost near the end-ish. Yeah. When, um, it isn't until, like, I guess he gets turned into the mannequin and then comes out of it that he starts to realize. It's not until, like, when the cops come or something. I don't Was remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't, but, I don't fully remember, but it, it's longer than you would expect. Yeah. But I wanted to know... So this, it's the same store, too. The same department, same store. Yep. department store in Philadelphia. The Prince and Company... And in the first movie, it was owned by... Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. I forgot her name in the movie, yeah, but her. <laughs> because she inherited, like, from her father or someone, she inherited... It was like a family inheritance, yeah. that store. But then now it's this guy... He's not the owner. He's just the big boss man. So was he the... But, like... Like nope. the CEO or not? What? No, he's like just the like manager? the floor manager. Okay, so we don't need. Okay, I thought he was the owner of the new owner of the store. He's just the hard ass who's just in every scene. He's just in charge of stuff. I mean, he, maybe he is, and it's like you know, it's eighties movie logic put to nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, it's probably the same type of thing. Um, still, Getty was not hands on. This guy is hands on. So it's but like we don't how... have Andrew McCarthy's character who was like CEO at the end of the first movie. He's not here anymore. Yeah, because they made him like vice president. Yeah, <laughs> vice president. Of the <laughs> okay, so like Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty's not Estelle Getty was the president. They made Andrew McCarthy vice president because, because he was of, so good at the window displays. He was so good at the displays. And then they got rid of James Spader's character. Yeah. Who was he? Was he the prior vice president because he was on the board with these people maybe so he so this guy mr what's his name already mr james he mr james to make things even more confusing yeah mr james and jason is our main character yeah so he's like the new james spader basically except he's not actively trying to sabotage anybody He's just trying he just to. This he's just a hard display ass. to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in my summary, I kind of glossed over all of the events that led to this mannequin cursed person who lived in Europe coming to Philadelphia, and basically what it is is there's the the Hauptmann Koenig Kingdom, 
uh, which was where Prince William comes from. A thousand years later, now their mansion is a museum, and they have that thing on display. They're bringing it to an America for like a traveling showcase, and at this store, Prince and Company, they're going to do a massive, lavish display as well as like a dance routine and like a stage show mm -hmm. to celebrate this thousand years. Why it's happening in Pennsylvania, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they said that, um, but they bring you know the mannequin over, and also there are three German guards uh, who are like goofball whatever characters. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then you have um, the ancestor of the wizard in the form of Count Spretzel. Um, and he's there because he wants to be the... in front of her when she finally she comes, comes out of her a thousand years. So he can be her so one she can true be with love. Her. Yeah. He knows about this curse. And he knows it's true because he knows that like he is the ancestor of... Of the original the sorcerer. sorcerer that turned her into a doll. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say mannequin. Yeah, well that she's word didn't necessarily exist a mannequin. Them. No, she's just like a wooden figure. Yeah. A life-size wooden thing. turned her into wood. wood. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so that's, that's why what. It's okay, here. so that's then why they. It's in the store. Okay, where did so they kept her wooden body in, in that the museum, the castle, mm -hmm. for a thousand years, and then they mm -hmm. now decide to do this. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, part of the reason they do say is because they want tourism to go up. Yeah, right? so they, they can come. Like, people can come to the museum. Yeah. If people hear about this, then maybe they'll come to the museum. And they said, oh, last year we had like three figures worth of revenue from tours and we want to get into the fours. So okay, like a so little little joke there is like, oh, we made like a couple hundred bucks in tours and we'd like to get into thousands. thousands. They don't, yeah. they don't want, they don't want to dream big. They don't want like yeah. six figures. Um, so, but Jason lives in Germantown, Philadelphia. Uh-huh. Just to bring that Germanic... Yeah, with his mom, who element. plays the queen in the opening sequence as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but now she is a matchmaker uh, for a business that she runs out of her own home. Which where she I, like I does was... videotape dating type stuff. I thought that... I want to see those videotapes, because I'm... Yeah, they don't really focus on that at all. I'm really interested in her videotape dating career. The mom is really kind of... Um secondary yeah but i want to see more of that videotape dating sure like when they first um introduce the mom not the queen but when she's just she's also like a cool mom right <laughs> she's when she because she, jason but she wants lives... her adult son to live at home for like forever That's right yeah. but but she's also like respects his boundaries and stuff mm -hmm. Uh, so, like, yeah, at their house, because she works out of their house, they have, like, a pretty big house, mm -hmm. and he, Jason is talking about how he's looking for apartments, but then when she goes outside to say goodbye to him or something, there's a woman that runs up to her, and she's like, oh, I'm getting, like, I'm engaged, and because of you, basically. Yeah. 
just show how well she's working. She's her good magic, at a ma- matchmaking. But you think that, I don't know. You think that the video dating service would come into the plot at all? They sort of do with Mr. James. But does it though, or is well, it just like a side thing? Well, because he comes over to do the taping. Yeah, but and... you could lose that entire scene and not have any problems. Like Mr. James comes in to do his own dating profile, not knowing that it's Jason's mom, and then when Jason comes home. He's embarrassed and he like destroys the tapes. Like, forget it. I was never here. I was never here. So it's just like to sort of set up this point where he's lonely um, and how he. But he didn't want to. He see... didn't want to be embarrassed by anything. And so when they come back to the house with the cops and he's there and yeah, it's like, you've he... never said like the same type of thing. Yeah, like you've never seen me re- before. Yeah, the mom recognizes him. But that but just, that's like, the entire quote unquote plot of it. It doesn't factor into anything. It doesn't affect any decisions. Yeah, I just don't know why he was um, embarrassed by because he saw Jason walk by. Because I don't know. I mean, and he's like male oh. pride. Like he's this big hard ass, and now yeah, he's like he looking for love, and he doesn't want to admit that he needs help with something like that. Probably. That's, I don't know. Whatever. But I just thought that was a weird, tiny side story. Yeah, which doesn't go anywhere, which is unfortunate. Um, but, I mean, at least that scene was there to give the mom a slightly more role. Yeah. I, I, because in realistic terms, the dating should have factored into the plot somehow. Like, maybe even, like, have Jesse do a video and, you know... Oh, okay. I, I don't know. It, find some way to like incorporate that into the whole thing and show that yes they are meant for each other because of their responses to each other because she probably would have had her son do a video at some point and so she could have like matched them up herself i don't know um sort of go against like the old i don't know i'm just i'm not i'm not one of the four writers of this movie i'm just trying to speculate as to how it could actually factor in instead of just being like a weird curiosity the movie's not good I mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't hate, hate it though. It's one of those things where, like, the more and more I watched it, the more it grew on me. Like, especially like the three German goofball guards. Yeah. I did not like them at all when they first came up. I thought it was really like, you know, obvious what they were trying to do. They're just like big lunks who are um, physically prone to, you know, almost like Three Stooges type of a situation but without a lot of the physicality i don't know it's that's weird to say but they're just um they're all idiots all three of them are idiots and like one of your first introductions to them is when this truck is holding holding just <laughs> like over the bridge so like the the, the traveling truck that they're in with jesse in the back I don't it's, even know it's hanging how... over the bridge. Yeah, but I don't even know how it got like that. But then all because of a sudden... they were told to keep right, and they just kept right. Oh, and, and like turned like going into the off bridge. the bridge. Yeah. Okay. That was right. the joke that they made. Okay. Um, but then Hollywood learns of this, and it's like up to Hollywood to save. It's his them. display. I think Mr. James gives him the order to go get the stuff. But. Why is it up to Hollywood to fix, like, a traffic jam? He's not fixing the traffic jam. He just He's recovering wants... the merchandise. Okay. It just sounded as if, like, he he was the first responder. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> there were, like, no cops or anything like that. There were cops, because that, that's who had the conversation with them. They're like, well, why, why did you do this? And, well, the instructions told me to keep right. So Okay. Cause, um, yeah, and they're just but dummies. They're, yeah, cause, and, and the German people, are, you know, the guards, they're basically saying, oh, no, we can't get her wet. And, like, you know, this is the most important thing in the world. Meanwhile, the doll does fall into the river. She does get wet. And Jason, for whatever reason, thinks it's a real person and dives in after her to save her. It is a doll. You get a little tiny flash of her becoming real while he's while he's pulling the, the mannequin up. Um, and then he's like, ha oh my goodness, I thought it was a real person. My mistake, whoopsie. Um, and then like the, the German guys are all like diving in for the wardrobe and all the other props and clothes and stuff. Meanwhile, this is supposed to be the most important thing. They let Jason and Hollywood just take her and, and drive off. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, not one of them stays behind. And so, since the truck is done, done for, they're all stripping down and dancing in the street and doing doofy stuff to get, like, hitchhike. Yeah. They... Uh, which was, you know, probably the first hint of like a charming aspect of their characters I yeah guess. they're well because they're like how are we supposed to get to the store and one of them's like oh i know and they all take their clothes off and dance in the middle of the street and then these two garbage truck ladies are like yeah yeah <laughs> and then like, they dump them in the back of the garbage truck yeah. which is weird I don't know how many of them are German. I know that one of the actors did do some German movies. I don't know what the other two are, but it seems like most of the, like at least two of the three, are putting on fake accents and like really like yeah, doing like a dumbing up their voices. Franz type yeah. of thing. Yeah. So they're doing funny voices and, and you know silly accents the whole time. But I mean, over time, it becomes like more and more charming. Like the more scenes you have with them, it's sort of like. Uh, the House Party series. The, the yeah, Full those, Force trio. Yeah, those three guys. It's, it's similar to that, except they don't have, like, the catchphrase. Um, and then you have Spretzel, who's just... I don't know. It, it took a long time for me to, to warm up to him. It's Terry Kaiser. He played the Sorcerer and Count Spretzel. He has, the, the big joke with him is that he has a mole on his face that has really long hair coming down from it and so everyone's like they, commenting on it or trying not it. to comment on it but they are and you know that type of joke yeah, where they kind of misspeak like this is there's a certain point like the very beginning when during the 1300s or whatever yeah i guess it would be 800s right because if it's a thousand years oh i'm sorry 19 the, the 900s it would be like 980 whatever 990 okay if we're talking a thousand years ago right so is that like i guess middle ages technically i don't, okay. I don't know what All that right. range is yeah, but just during that time it was giving me robin hood men in tights type They're of humor definitely trying for that type of a vibe early and then on. but this is pre-robin hood men in tights and then, but even with the whole thing with the mole with that guy is also kind of like a joke in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, they're going for slight spoofiness and like Monty Python-ish or like airplane-ish or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's not like a serious... It wasn't serious. It wasn't serious, <laughs> but it also like it's the type of comedy that is like playing to the audience directly. Like, you know, I think the guy who had like the horned helmet and the, the horns get yeah, slashed like, by it's Prince like William. Medieval times. He like looks at the camera afterwards, I think. Oh. Uh, you know, it's that yeah. type of fourth wall breaking comedy that they do. 
But I mean, it's it's fine. But I mean, you have it takes a lot to do that right. And I I would say in the early parts they don't really do it very well. It takes a long time for you to warm up to it. Um, Count Spretzel again, like I, he's just an obvious bad guy. He doesn't do anything that's all that interesting villain or funny. Like. <laughs> yeah, he also doesn't do anything that's all that villainous. He's just waiting for his turn and he's trying to get the mannequin to be where it's supposed to be. Because sometimes it's so missing from the storage room because it's a, a living thing. And now he's like worried and he's like, get, the, get her back, get her back. And then, yeah, I mean, he he wants to be the one that removes the necklace because he knows the lore. Right. But when he sees her alive, that's when they have that whole scene with the three German dudes running up and down trying to find her. And then she tries to hide hide herself by going into like a salon and change. She wants a change, but then it turns into this montage of her wearing like ball gowns and hats and things. This is long dress up montage while three people are actively looking for her in the store. I thought they were actually gonna give her a haircut and like dye her hair or something to make her look different because that's what I thought. But it meant to be. No, it's like, almost can like you change my look. It's almost as if the movie said, "Oh wait, we forgot about the the dress up montage." Because the dress up montage in the first movie was cool. I like the dress up montage. And it happens like almost instantaneously. Like yeah. Because oh, you're a real person. Let's find you some good clothes to wear. Yeah, and and they do like a music video thing in the in the first movie. Which yeah. is fun. This yeah, one is just... Because they're both dressing up and, like, pretending to be in different scenarios and cosplaying. Yeah, yeah, This one was just her twirling around in hats and gowns. While the same song played again and then again. Like, it, it, they use... Um, there's really, like, two different songs. There's, like, a couple songs that I actually like. They're not bad, but, like, it's, it's Can't Believe My Eyes, which is done by Gene Miller, and that's the one that happens, I think, three or four times in mm-hmm. this movie, and I think it's happening during this montage. And then the other one is Feel the Way I Do by a band named Shoes, yeah. which is happening when uh, Jason's making breakfast after uh, like Jesse is, 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 you know, staying over. They don't do anything, but she stays the night. Um, and so he's making breakfast, and to that song. And they're both good songs, but they're this whole yeah, thing feels like it's stuck to do in the 80s. Another Starship song, but you can't. No, but they do use the Starship song at they the end. They do credits. because it's like oh, well let's just bring it again <laughs> yeah, because might it's as well. such a good song. She's has time to do this dress up montage and then like she escapes from them by at some point okay, this is this whole sequence is so dumb to me. This is This is like 90s shit. Like in the first one, we had all the sexual harassment that went like unaddressed (laughs) from like the coworker hitting on the perfume uh, person who had the crush on Andrew McCarthy's character, right? Um, And then in this one... Yeah, in the first movie, yeah. Yeah, you have a little bit of that with Andy hitting on the the perfume person, but that's not as... Not as bad. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, not the perfume person in the first one. It's it's and it's Andy McCarthy's ex-girlfriend in that one. Yeah. Um, slash co-worker. The, um, in this one, it's a lot of violence that does not get addressed in a legal way at all. Because you have this chase happening and Count oh. Spretzel's like throwing like 
Well, and he objects also has down a to try to like destroy people, and he has a crossbow. Yeah, he has a fucking crossbow, and he's shooting it into a live crowd of multiple people. Well, because and they just let him do it because he tell, he's the count. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but once and, like, he the boss finds is on out his side still. that Jason, because he he recognizes Jason because he's like or yeah. Jason as Prince William, because he's like, you look familiar. I mean, he knows mm. the lore, so... And when Jesse first then... <laughs> comes to life as well, she's like, oh, you're my prince. Like, Yeah. Because no time has passed for her. Yeah, she said something like, oh, because when People, she we was... we saw each other a few seconds ago. Yeah. So for her, it seems like 15 minutes or something. But then he had to, like, get her up to speed. It's like, no, you're in the 1990s. <laughs> Yeah, you're but in the she, 20th like, quickly, century, as if she knew what century that, she was in yeah, before, probably. But she, like, acclimated quickly. Yeah, like, they both do. Like, that's the weird thing, is, like, he just accepts it very quickly that, oh, yeah, okay, you were cursed for a thousand years, and the, the curse is true. Like, the lore is true. Okay, you're a real person. Okay, cool. Let's get you a green card. Let's try to get you a job. Like, it's weird that he's, like, going for, like, the realistic, like, practical green approach card. of it all, which is kind of funny. Yeah, she doesn't have a social security. Yeah. And and then she's like, oh, this is really interesting. I love cars. Like, I love, you know, modern society. She know, like, she's not, like, like, freaked out about anything except for, like, seeing herself on TV she, for, like, I, one little wouldn't joke. Wouldn't she be freaked out by cars because they didn't have that back then? Or freaked out by just Yeah, what everything? did she call it? She called it, like, a power chariot or something like yeah. that at first. But, no, like, she's not freaked out by anything except for seeing herself on the TV. Um... Yeah, she's like, get me out of the box. But yeah. that was the only thing that freaked her out, out of all the things that she was introduced to. Yeah. So, uh, but she's in a go-kart at some point, and she drives down the stairs and to she help knew. them get away. It's just funny. She knew how to drive, but then she also knew how to get to Jason's house. Yeah. I mean, he does say... Does he? Was it him? Yeah, he was like, oh, how'd she get here? Like, she has a good oh, yeah, sense she has of... an yeah, impeccable sense of direction yeah, when she gets there, too. I mean, that was a good joke. Yeah. But the other good joke was happening while, like, the crossbow stuff was happening. There was, like, an older lady who was, like, walking down in, like, Hollywood's, like, get down, get down! And, like, you know, because they're shooting oh, at her. Oh, yeah. And the old lady's like, yeah, get down! And <laughs> it just keeps like... walking. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, like, that, that whole thing happens. And, like, even at the end with when Spretzel, like, literally shoots the boss with a gun no legal repercussions like no security no one says hey yeah, let's go there's a huge Jason audience for kidnapping or whatever there's stealing. this massive audience that sees this happen and no one's like okay let's go get a police officer there's no security it's like retain this man for shooting another person he's just allowed to just go away mm -hmm. i don't know it's that kind of thing that's kind of shitty he gets his comeuppance at the end. So here's the thing that you need to know about this lore that's different than the other one. Before, it was like a request from the person and like this curse, and it seemed like she could make herself visible if she wanted to in the first movie. In this one, it all centers around this necklace. And the necklace can't be removed for a thousand years because it gives people like a shock, unless it's her true love. Yeah, it, but it has to be a, a thousand years and then like a lover from another town. That was... The curse. Like, a, a true love from another town. Yeah. Right? So, like, um, so it's not just some random person could pull up the necklace. It has, so it has to be somebody who's in love with this inanimate object who could pull off the necklace or a thousand years. So, Jason, in the water, uh, 
messes with the necklace a little bit, which is why she flickers to, to life. Yeah. In the car, he's trying to dry her off, and so he messes with the necklace and dries out underneath the collar, yeah. and she comes to life briefly there, too. And then eventually, yeah, he takes the necklace off, and that's what triggers it. So that other part of the lore means that other people can turn into mannequins if they are given the necklace, which is an interesting little twist that comes into play where I mean, Hollywood, Hollywood puts, it. puts it on just for fashion reasons, not knowing what it meant. So, and yeah, anyone can turn into a mannequin. If they have the necklace on. I forget who else, do we, do we see anybody else besides, obviously, at the end? No, that's it's why. It's just those two, it was, right? It confused me because... Isn't it a cursed necklace? Yeah, I was I was surprised that the curse didn't apply to the new people when they well, got it put on. Well, because you have to say the curse, I guess. I guess when so. They're yeah, in they the, have to redo the curse every time it gets put on. Air balloon or whatever hot air balloon. Jesse says the curse, and puts the necklace on the count. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, they have a hot air balloon at the top of the the roof of the building waiting. Well, because the count wanted a way. Like a getaway. And then one of the German guys was like, here's a hot air balloon. Because he thought it would be nice and romantic. Hmm. So, and, yeah. and the Count is like, why did you get this hot air balloon? And he's like, oh, I thought it would be romantic. Whatever. Okay. Like, they were supposed to have, like, a helicopter or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But then, I mean, he takes Jesse into the hot air balloon. And... Takes, Jason's able to... Yeah, Jason's... Oh, this is scary. Oh, my <laughs> yeah, stomach he, hurt. He latches on. He climbs the rope and gets up I there. I was like, uh, you, you have good upper body strength because I would just fall and die. Mm-hmm. I would have been dead. So, I, can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't climb a rope like that. It's the three of them and they're up there. Uh, he, you know, there's the, the physical fighting that happens... When they were doing the stage show, because they get to the part of the presentation, like before Spretzel shoots um, Mr. James and everything, there is a fencing match that happens because there's, I don't know, like, it reminded me of the ending of Popcorn a little bit, where it's a stage okay. show that everybody thought oh, was yeah, a stage show, real. but it's like real fighting. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, Jason and Spretzel are actually doing like legitimate fencing with each other for a bit. Um Jason's supposedly arrested. Like, we're skipping a whole bunch of shit. Like, Jason was actually arrested for stealing the doll. Um, because yeah, he gets arrested, but, like, the Count doesn't get arrested for shit. No, he doesn't get arrested for shit, not for, like, destroying the entire department building. Um, Shooting crossbows not, yeah. and shit. Yeah, because... none of that. Not, nothing's done to him. Um, but Jason is arrested for, for stealing the mannequin because she did get turned back into the mannequin on accident again. Yeah, every right time. before she's discovered. Yeah, the mom, like, everyone thinks he's a disgusting pervert. Like, the mom is kind of like, should I be worried about you? Because every time, like, he's talking about Jessie as if she's a real woman. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I can't wait to meet her. And then he she like comes into the room once when uh, that's when Jesse puts the necklace on and he doesn't realize the cr- necklace curse thing yet. Yeah. So he's trying to like give her like CPR her, and yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, shake her awake and give her CPR and stuff. Yeah, and then that's when the mom kind of walks by and she's like, Jason, should I be worried about you? Yeah. And then the second time is when Jesse 
drives the go-kart to his house, but then the German guys and the Count get there and put the necklace on her. So when the cops come, they, they're carrying Jesse down as a mannequin, and then the mom is still, like, horrified. Yep. So... It, so she it, thinks so her it, son is, like, some perv. But, yeah, they take him to the jail when there's just, like two people watching him and then Hollywood used to be in the Marines. Right. So he wears a Marine, his Marine Corps uniform to get Jason out. And he puts on a affectation and he calls himself Butch Montrose Mm. because his, his real name is Hollywood Montrose. And so he's calling himself Butch to kind of like play on words and, and like, masculine aspect and so he's I don't know the Meshach Taylor character is an interesting one I don't know how to really resolve that but in all what happens is growing up he was my favorite part of the movie I mean he's still yeah he's 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 in it very little in the first one yeah but he I always liked him as Hollywood I mean, he is a caricature, but, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I don't know, at least he's not, he's not shat on by the rest of the people, which I think I appreciate. Uh, I mean, you know they kind mean? of make fun of him in the first one. Yeah, I get you there. This one, I don't feel like I even really saw many of the microaggressions from In this other one, characters. no. Like, everyone's they, just totally accepting it. They were just like, yeah, he's the art director... Yeah, yeah like he's, he's kind eccentric. of eccentric. That's but about it. That's him. And I'm just going to let him do his thing. Because even, like, in the beginning, he's coming up with that dance for this presentation for Jesse. Yeah, <laughs> for it's supposed her. to be very hoity-toity, and he wants to bring some hip-hop flair to it. Um, which happens at the end, and everyone, Mr. James and, and the counter, you know, uh, offended like by the it. The entire town of Philadelphia is there to see this performance and reveal. And then there's like this big sh- spaceship that comes down, <laughs> and Jason yeah. comes out to be a prince as part of the show, which is the reveal that he actually got released from prison by Butch right. uh, Montrose, and then the fence. Yeah, you get that song happens. where it starts out like minstrel music mm-hmm. which it's the same song that they dance to when jesse and jason spend that first night together when they go to the club and they do that dance yeah they do like the actual like ballroom type dance that you would see in yeah because he's like on he's on the dance floor like spazzing out and she's like trying to emulate him but she's like this is how you dance and then they the entire crowd all of a sudden knows how to dance like they're from medieval times or something yeah they're all following her lead and then that's the same song and they're doing the similar like a similar dance and then all of a sudden it breaks into like this hip-hop song where like hollywood montrose does a rap and it's like the cut scene like the camera editing is bad like they (laughs) they revert they reverse the image so like and it's very very quick cut so like basically hollywood is bouncing from slightly to the left of the frame to slightly to the right of the frame back and forth like every other 
To make it look like it's a video, like a music video. It's nasty. It's It's really nasty. The first (laughs) one had like star wipes and stuff like that. This one has these little snippets every once in a while. And then the spaceship arrives, which makes no sense. Well, he's an artiste. And that's when, you know, Jesse as the mannequin comes down and Jason as a prince saves her. And then he does take the necklace off of Jesse in front of everyone and they all think, like, that's part of the show. Right. And, you know, this goes back to when the Count takes Jesse into the hot air balloon. Yeah. And then later on in the... In the hot air balloon, Jesse and Jason put the curse back on the count, and they push him over, but he's already a mannequin himself, and then his mannequined body falls to the ground, shattering into pieces. And then... The three guys glue him together, the three German doofs. Well, he's also, like, caught up by a street sweeper, like, after that, too. Yeah. So, they, but they show him later on in that Hauptmann Koenig museum glued together, and then you have the same person who was introducing Jesse. Yeah. Talking about his tale. Yeah. And then you uh, swap back to the Philadelphia, and Jason and Jesse are getting married, and they're driving off, and are they in Hollywood's car? They're in a, a nice that uh, convertible. Has that, Hollywood has that convertible pink yeah. um, Cadillac. Yeah, I guess so. It's his the, car. The Bad Girl 2 plate now because the sequel is Bad Girl 2 on it instead of just Bad Girl, like mm-hmm. the first one. Um, and then Jason buys Jesse a new necklace at this Prince and Company store. <laughs> yeah. And then the end. nothing's going to stop us now. Yeah. Off we go. Um yeah, it's. I think the only thing we didn't really talk about is like we got the dual roles from pretty much everybody in the opening scene. Meshach Taylor gets his dual role as well in the form of the doorman to the club. So, yeah, which is. I thought that was also a funny scene. Yeah, because he gets to like improv everything and basically like accept and reject the various different people in the line in, in funny ways. And it's, it's a good showcase of his comedic abilities in there. Um, honestly, I think the, the chemistry between the two leads was good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you need in that. And Mannequin, I think it was a little bit lesser. What? But, uh, she's an actual mannequin most of the time, though. I think Andrew McCarthy is very good in that movie. I'm not saying <laughs> that showing his good. love for a mannequin. yeah. So maybe my problem is Kim Cattrall's... What? ...responses to that. Okay. She's just kind of, like, sitting there and smiling. Like, and yeah, I'm hot? More like, I, I don't really know what she's thinking half the time. Like, it, it's supposed to be like, oh, I love this person in front of me, but... I don't know. It just seems empty I, I I... Kim Cattrall and Andrew McCarthy, I believe their love story more okay. than like Jesse and Jason or something. Yeah, maybe part of it is that Jesse's too puppy doggy for you in this because she is very like green and naive in a lot of aspects, and that's that's a little off putting, I'll say. Um, the other thing that is worse about this movie for sure 
is that the mannequin version of Jesse does not look like Christy oh, Swanson yeah. one single bit. Which is so weird because the mannequin that looks like Hollywood is a very good yeah. rendition or whatever. And even and Terry Kaiser's is neat, decent. That's a very good one too. And obviously the Kim Cattrall one in the first one yeah, looks looks like exactly her. like Kim Cattrall. Uh, it's weird. It's almost as if they made the mannequin before fully casting it. Yeah, they were probably like just make a very make hot, a one? like like make a good looking blonde haired woman mannequin. Yeah, but it was very generic looking. Yeah, it looked like an actual like the mannequins you see in stores. That like the generic looking. They all have like the same face and hair, just different colors. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's I don't know. Um, it was interesting to see that they tried to actually give effects to show her turning into a human as well, which is basically just like a water wavy, wavy effect over her mm. face and body. Um, whereas in the first one, they just used edits, and in one shot, she was plastic, and the next one, she was real. So, I don't know. There's, there's random side stories. I liked the German people at the end, even though uh, they were kind of obnoxious at the beginning. Um I would honestly say that's probably true of the entire movie. It was a little obnoxious at the beginning, but I overall ended up kind of liking it a little bit more. All right, so let's get into the cast and crew because there are no awards to mention here. This was a huge box office bomb. A budget of $13 million, only made about $3.7 back. Uh, the director, Stuart Raffel, if I'm pronouncing that right, I'm not sure, he is Razzie-nominated for writing and winning for directing Mac and Me. Also the writer and director of Across the Great Divide, Sea Gypsies, Ice Pirates, Lost in Africa, Tammy and the T-Rex, which we've seen before, uh, Survival Island, Bad Girl Island, and uh, he's also done directing only work on Philadelphia Experiment and Passenger 57, which is probably his biggest movie that isn't this. Uh, Edward Rugoff is one of the writers. He did Mannequin 1, he did Mr. Nanny, and he also did a movie called Double Take, which is from 1997, not the one that I remember from like 03 with Eddie Griffin. Uh, David Isaacs and Ken Levine are a writing duo who are Emmy winners and nominated for Cheers, nominated for the writing in MASH, Frasier. They've also written for The Simpsons, Wings, Becker. They wrote the movie Volunteers together because they met in the Army Reserve in 1973. And Ken Levine, aside from all the writing work, has also been a radio and TV personality for the Seattle Mariners. Bitsy Israel, who is the, the fourth credited writer, only credit on IMDb, so I'm not sure how that came to be, but it did. Uh, we've talked about Christy Swanson as Jesse before in Hot Shots and most notably in Highway to Hell. Uh, William Ragsdale as Jason Williamson slash Prince William. He's also in 1991's Frankenstein the College Years. Also around this time he was in his run as Herman in Herman's Head, which ran for 72 episodes. He was in Fright Night and Fright Night Part 2, Smooth Talk, TV series Brothers Keeper, the TV series of Gross, Gross Point, and also Justified. Uh, Meshack Taylor, who played Hollywood Montrose and The Doorman, Emmy nominated for Designing Women, which he was on for 152 episodes. You got to start doing some horror movies like Damien, which is Omen 2, The Howling, uh, he was on the Buffalo Bill TV show, he was one of two people from Mannequin 1, uh, Ultra Warrior, class act where he played i think kid's dad in that uh and he was on dave's world the tv show and also ned's declassified school survival guide terry kaiser 
<laughs> for a while, I was like, man, I liked him so much better when he didn't speak in Weekend at Bernie's, where he played Bernie in 1 and 2, but he, he won me over near the end a little bit. He had some good lines and some good sequences. Um, that's where he's most known as, as the reanimated Bernie. Uh, but in 1991, he also was in Into the Sun and also the Carol and Company TV show with Carol Burnett. He's been in movies Surf 2, Friday the 13th Part 7, New Blood. He was also in Tammy and the T-Rex. Uh, and also uh, he was on The Doctor's TV show way back in 1967 and 1968 to help him get him started. Otherwise, he's done a whole bunch of like one-off TV spots. We talked about Mr. James as well, who is Stuart Pankin. We talked about him during Life Stinks. The most notable credit that people remind, remember about him is he was Earl Sinclair on The Dinosaurs. He's the voice of the dad. Cynthia Harris is the mom slash queen, BAFTA nominated for Edward and Mrs. Simpson. She also played the mom in Mad About You. Uh, she was in The Distinguished Gentleman and Three Men and a Baby. Andy Ackerman uh, was the security guard who made a return to this one, played by Andrew Hill Newman. He was in a couple other random 1991 shows, as well as a movie called A Wish for Wings. Um, he's also a producer and writer for a lot of Nickelodeon stuff like The Amanda Show, All That, Nikki, Ricky, Dicky, and Dawn, iCarly, as well as non-Nickelodeon things like Brock Meyer and Celebrity Poker Showdown, which I think he helped create. Um, yeah, that's about it. The last thing I will mention, actually, we have uh, Michael J. Anderson, who's the jewel box bearer. He was, you know, the person who gave the, the necklace to the sorcerer. Um, okay. He was... Uh, the guy in the, what's the official he's the guy from Twin Peaks he's he's the the little guy who's in the oh, strange room yeah yeah okay so yeah he's in this movie he's also been in Caged Hearts Mulholland Drive Port Charles Carnival and I also learned that he worked for NASA uh, for like you know on computers like he has multiple degrees and he's like a computer scientist on top of acting moving on to true crime pop culture Okay, so this was released on May 17th, 1991, which was a Friday, and it's also the same release date as What About Bob? And on TV, when I looked this up, I was confused, but I found several YouTube videos of this, and then also when I was looking up historical events, um, so... On the TV listings and NBC, it just says International Swimsuit Special 1991. And I was like, what is that exactly? Like, right. the swim... I was thinking of the swimsuit edition for, like, you know, Sports, uh, Illustrated. Sports Illustrated or something. Yeah. That's what... The My first thought would be, like, a special of, like, all the Star Search swimsuit competitions. So I... Went on YouTube to, and I typed in International Swimsuit 1991 and it came up as the Miss Universe contest. But when I was looking up the historical events on this date, um, it was Lupita Jones, who was 23 at the time. She was Miss Mexico and she was crowned the 40th Miss Universe. And she was also the first... Mexican contestant to win a major international beauty pageant 
And, uh, I mean, afterwards, she became... She started her own Mexican Universal franchise, and she produced two Miss Universe title holders. So, and she coached two more winners, Jimena Navarrete, who won in 2010, and then Andrea Metza, who won in 2020. She also was a candidate for governorship of Baja California in 2021. Wow. She has a she does a lot of TV producing and then she does a lot of human humanitarian causes as of today. And she was in a few films, but they're all, you know, Mexican films. Not the 1991 probably a little bit too no, soon. No, it that. was she didn't get into film until like 2014. She was oh, doing a okay. lot of TV producing. So starting in 1992, she started her own company in 1994, and she produced a lot of, I mean, we wouldn't know. She did did something called TV Azteca, and then she tried to do her own modeling show with male models called El Modelo Mexico, Mm -hmm. but that didn't do so well. It's interesting. So yeah, I started behind the camera and then tried to do front of the camera front stuff of later, him on. later on and then looking up about facts about this movie this movie was mannequin and mannequin 2 was loosely based off of an actual mannequin did you look did you see this you told me about that briefly oh okay but that's so, as far as it went for me, yeah. It was there was a movie star mannequin by the name of Cynthia that was she would people would anthro I'm gonna anthropomorphize. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna fuck up this word. Yeah, people would anthropomorphize her. So Cynthia was a mannequin created in nineteen thirty two by a sculptor and he was also a retail display designer just like Andrew McCarthy in the first one and his name is Lester Gabba I guess people said that he created her so unusually natural looking and human looking that that's when people started to anthropomorphize her and then Gabba and Gabba and Cynthia became famous and Gabba became known for his mannequins where Cynthia appeared on the cover of Life magazine in the 30s, Hmm. and she was invited to the wedding of Edward VIII and Wallace Simpson in 1937. (laughs) Did she accept? (laughs) She was there. I I mean, I'm assuming Gabba took her. Yeah. I just, uh, I, I was like, how come they didn't show that in The Crown? Right. But I was like, that would have been interesting. A little bit too early, yeah. I don't know. That would have been... I would be like, why is that mannequin there? Um, In 1932, she was... uh, So Gabba created Cynthia for the Saks Fifth Avenue window. Sure. Yeah, which is a weird thing about the first movie. So it's all centers around, oh, the window displays are going to turn our business completely around. And it's like a novel concept. I mean, I think that was a thing... Especially, I guess, during the 30s. You know how department stores just became a huge thing. Like, you know, Macy's or 
like yes, yeah, Sixth Fifth yes. Avenue. I mean, that's Marshall why they have the Field. window displays is to kind of like draw people in. Yeah, the... I mean, I like the window displays of Marshall Fields during the Christmas time because they would be all like animate, like exactly like how it was in Mannequin because they mm-hmm. would be moving and interacting, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So I mean, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, not now. People are probably like, I don't give a shit. Everyone's yeah, super jaded about it. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, (laughs) unfortunately, uh, Cynthia met her demise when she slipped from a chair in a beauty salon and shattered. (laughs) The press reported her, quote, death, and Gabba appeared distraught, but eventually reconstructed her. In December 1942, Gabba was inducted into the army, and Cynthia had to retire. And it wasn't until 1953 that she became back to the public in a TV show. It didn't, I didn't, in this article. Didn't say which one. Didn't say which one. I'm reading this from an article from the website littlewhitelies.com. And it's called The Surreal True Story of Cynthia, the Movie Star Mannequin. What if the people at the beauty salon realized that she was evil like Count Spretzel and oh. purposely destroyed her and shattered him. Shattered her like him. I don't know, but, I mean, after that, in the 50s, the magic was over and Cynthia is stored in a cupboard somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, not even, like, a museum display anymore? I know, I mean, or... wouldn't they? Because if she was so famous for, like, 20 years... Right? That, t- that seems like something that could be, like, Smithsonian-ish. Yeah, they could do a traveling thing, like what they've done with Jessie. Yeah. And put her behind glass if she's so fragile. Right. Oh. But, People probably just don't care. Yeah, anymore. this I thought I thought that was interesting because I've never even heard of this before. Yeah. So it flamed out like thirty years before we were born. That's probably why. Yeah. So we can move on to rankings and ratings. We're on your one to five star scale. Are you going to put Mannequin Two on the move? I am giving this a two. Yeah, I, I honestly, when I first started watching this movie, like the first, I don't know, even like half, I'm like, this is dumb, terrible. It's like, not bad. I mean, it's the, there just are none of the jokes landed for a long time. There's like two good jokes, <laughs> two, three. I don't know, maybe I just got like minor Stockholm syndrome or something with it, because as it went on, like I just really started to appreciate the goofiness a lot more. Um, on my zero to four star scale, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna say it's like a, a one. Like it's not, it's not amazingly well made or anything, <laughs> but I do appreciate that they found a way to change the lore and the story enough to make it a unique thing, while not like completely rehashing the, the original story. I don't know. Like it, it's a really tough task, and I think they did an okay job with that. But I wish the script was polished and funnier. Every movie's worth watching once. Would you watch it again? Yeah, but not right away. I mean, that yeah, that, that's kind of true about a lot of these I'll, movies. I but... like the first one more, and I'll watch the first one, like, once a month. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is definitely better. Like, it, it, like no question, a lot better. But yeah, I'd, I'd, like this is goofy enough fun 
at the end of it that I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm kind of into it now. Like, I, I think I would appreciate the shittiness of the first half more that I've kind of like let it sink in. So on a second watch of this, I think I would actually enjoy it even more, if that makes sense. But it uh, maybe not, but it does to me. Um, but yeah, the first one's definitely better. However, if you want to watch Mannequin 2 on the move as of this recording in October 2023, it's available on Hoopla, Max, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. As always, check your local listings. As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. You can email us at 1991moviewrewind@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, YouTube. Just search 1991moviewrewind or go to 1991moviewrewind.com for the full list of movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're finishing off our Scary Month. Yes, this was part of Scary Month. Uh, we're watching The Addams Family. That's on Paramount+, Plus, Pluto TV, Digital Rental, VHS, or DVD. We will see you then.